Let's turn once again to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter number 15, uh, where we were this morning. I'll bring a message uh, from the same text as this morning, uh, Exodus 15. We'll look at the first two verses again. And uh, while you're turning there, I failed to announce that next Sunday night, uh, there'll be a drop-by baby shower for uh, Jessica Stanley. And if you uh, are not aware, uh, she is having quadruplets, and so uh, they're uh, they're going to need some help. And so uh, you pray for her, and uh, and then, uh, ladies, you uh, help with that uh, next week for drop-by, with that drop-by baby shower. Exodus chapter number 15, I am going to uh, jump right into the message tonight. Um, and I, as I mentioned, I have have a, a sick child at home, and uh, the tail end of my vacation, uh, I uh, was not feeling well, and so uh, feeling a little uh, weak tonight, and so uh, I am going to stay right behind the pulpit. I am going to uh, get right into the message, and I hope to get us out of here <clears throat> before too long, certainly before 9, 30, 10 o'clock. We'll be, we'll be on our way home, uh, but I want to uh, just to remind you of some truths tonight. And some things that I think that we can chew on for a little while, uh, ponder, and uh, all the truths in the Word of God are things that we should pay attention to. And uh, some are things that we should constantly be referring back to. And there's scripture, I have scriptures that, that are personal to me, uh, that they're my guide, they're my, uh, they're, they're my guideposts, they're my um, uh, borders, if you will, uh, some that, that hit the reset, uh, that I always come back to, uh, things as I pastor, as I live. And so there's some principles here that I think is good and necessary uh, for us as Christians in general. But for us as a church, uh, especially, I think uh, there's some good things to be reminded of and remember. And so uh, we'll look at those this evening. Verse number one of chapter 15, uh, we read it this morning. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Uh, We looked at that this morning, the glorious triumph of our God. Uh, what, what a God. Uh, what a great God. Then the song continues in verse number two. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Uh, this next phrase I have, I have underlined in my Bible, he is my God, uh, and I will prepare him a habitation. I have this next phrase underlined as well, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Tonight, I want to look at that uh, phrase, my father's God. And there's some principles there that I think uh, are good to remind us of, but it also uh, puts a responsibility on us as Christians, a responsibility on us as God's people. And so uh, let's look at that this evening. Father, I pray that you'll help us with the time we have remaining. I pray the Holy Spirit of God would lead me and guide me, and uh, may we hear gladly uh, the truths of Scripture tonight. Uh, May we realize the responsibility that we do have in our service to to you. And Father, may we be reminded once again of how what a great God we have and how uh, the things that you've done in our life to uh, bring us to a point of salvation, to bring us to a point of uh, opportunity to serve you. Father, I pray that you'll bless our service in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned this in one of my points this morning uh, when we think of focusing on praising God for just who he is. And look at that first phrase that I mentioned I have underlined in verse number two, he is my God. And let me just remind you by way of introduction, uh, what a wonderful God that we have. I like the fact that he's my God. 
Uh, I don't have to talk to, about him in the second person or the third person. He's my God. Uh, he, he's, he's my God I pray to. He's my God that I serve. He's my God that granted me salvation. He's, he's my God uh, who will never leave me and forsake me. Think about that for just a moment. Let that sink in. Uh, but I remind us this morning that uh, he is not some theory. He is not some uh, uh, just mystical thing way out there in the universe. Uh, he is a powerful living being. Uh, we have a living God. Uh, we don't pray to, a, to, a, to something crafted with hands of man. Uh, we don't pray to a statue. We don't pray uh, to anything other than an almighty living God. You see, a living God is the only one who can grant life. And we have a new life, we have eternal life, and it's because we have a, 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 a powerful living God. And let me just remind you, whatever you may face, you've got a God greater than your obstacle. Uh, the forces of evil are real. The forces of our adversary are real. If, if you pay attention and you try and look at things in a, in a spiritual way, it's evident to see what's going on in our country. Uh, it's, it's evident to see uh, the workings of, of Satan in our nation. Uh, you, you, you say, why do you bring that up? You say, sometimes if you look at that, you can say, well, that's, uh, it's, it can be pretty overwhelming because uh, we know Scripture teaches us, and, and if you've lived as long as uh, most of us have, you realize that we are no match for our adversary. But God is greater. And you gotta be, we got to be reminded that we have a great and a living and a powerful God. So well, I need a miracle. Well, I, I want to remind you tonight uh, that we have a God who grants miracles. We have a God who is the God of miracles. So I reminded you that we have a powerful living being. Uh, secondly, I reminded you our God is holy. Uh, we have a holy perfect God. We don't serve a man. We don't serve uh, anything other than a holy and a perfect God. As I already mentioned, he's a personal God. Aren't you thankful that he's your God? I'm thankful he's my God. He's a personal God. He's a compassionate God. Oh, often we get to feel sorry. Sometimes we start to feel sorry for ourselves. Maybe you've never done that, but other people, they feel sorry for themselves. And, oh, woe is me, and everybody's forsaken me, and everybody's turned, turned on me, and here I am in my situation, and I can't ever get out of it. You can never say nobody cares, because God cares. Because God is the one uh, who has shown his love and his compassion, and uh, we have a compassionate God. Uh, we have a God who wants to communicate with us. Uh, I love the fact that I can say I have a personal God. He's my God. But I'm glad that my God wants to talk to me. My God wants to hear from me. Think about that. You open the, the scriptures. God, God has preserved this word in perfection. He, we, we have the scriptures tonight. And it is because God wants to communicate with us. He wants to talk to us tonight. When you read your Bible, don't, 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 don't make it a, a Baptist ritual of opening the Word of God and reading it. Open it and say, Lord, would you speak to me? I'm ready to hear from you. Uh, so, well, I, I fall asleep. Stand up and read it. Uh, well, I still fall asleep. Well, get, get you a big old cup of coffee before you read Do whatever you got to do. But, Lord, speak to me to think that God wants to speak to you. Boy, that's a, that's a, that, that, that ought to overwhelm you. You just ponder that. But let's take it a step further. Not only does God, the great God of the heavens, want to speak to us, He wants us to talk to Him. 
He wants us to communicate with him. What a great God we have, the Holy Spirit of God, who is our companion. I, I, I mentioned that this morning, and that's certainly a reason to praise him. And I wanted you to remind you that tonight. He is my God. When we leave and go throughout our week this week, be reminded that you have a God that's a personal God. He's your God. He wants to meet your needs. He's aware of your situation. With that in mind, I want us to draw our attention to that second phrase I pointed out in the title of our message tonight, My Father's God. And there are some important principles. It's a different context from my God. Uh, the scripture points out, I remind you of the context and, and the situation the children of Israel were in when, when they began to sing this song. God had delivered them. God had performed that miracle and brought them through the, the Red Sea on dry ground. And then the same power that had parted the waters released the waters so that it destroyed the enemy, deliverance and destruction of the enemy at one time. And the, the, the overwhelming thought that that must have, uh, have been and taken place and the fact that they begin to sing praises unto God and begin to rejoice in, in this song and they point out in this singing and praise, He's my God. But then they point out, and I find it interesting, they take the time to point out He's my Father's God. There's some important principles that I think that we can draw from that that I think will be, uh, we can apply to our life. Let me, uh, first of all, mention the first one. By this statement, my father's God, we realize that spiritual things were not new to them. God was talked about. They had, they had heard of God before they saw what God could do that day. Uh, it was not new. It was part of their everyday life. It was part of... Of what God, but part of their surroundings and their and their wearings, uh, the fact that it was part of who they were. You know what? That's the way it ought to be for you and I as a child of God. Uh, when 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 somebody uh, mentions the name of God in your home, it shouldn't be a surprise, and it certainly shouldn't be mentioned with his, using his name in vain. That's for sure. Uh, it was part of their it was part of their life. They say, "Well, Pastor, I don't think they trusted him like they should have trusted him." Well, then, then, then we do have a lot in common with them. But it was still part of who they were. I am thankful as a born again Christian, as a Baptist tonight. God is just part of my life. God is just part of who I am, and it's, it's got to be it's got to be grueling. It's got to be exhausting uh, to be a Christian on Sunday. And then to hide the fact that you're not, or to pretend like you're not the rest of the week. Well, I can't talk about God throughout the week. I have to. Because it is not a new thing. The spiritual things were not new. That's the first thing I mentioned tonight. Number two, are you with me tonight? Their father's beliefs were not hidden from them. Uh, God, see, uh, we can hand our children the Bible and say, read it, and you can know God. Uh, grandparents had to sit their grandchildren down and teach them about God. Mom and dad had to teach what they had been taught about God. Uh, it was a responsibility. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't pawn their children off on the Sunday school teacher or on the pastor. It was the responsibility of mom and dad. It was the responsibility of grandma and granddad to make sure that those in their house and those in their home and those in their family knew about God. Their father's beliefs were not hidden from them. Uh, parents, I hope that you talk about God during the week. 
I hope when God blesses that you point out the fact that it's God who's blessed. Uh, always take time. Always take time. Say, well, my children don't know that I've been praying about this. Well, he's answered. Tell them that you've been praying about something. And then tell them how God answered. It ought to just be, it ought to just be a common thing to, uh, oh, there's a parking place right at the front door. Praise the Lord. You say, uh, well, well, God had nothing to do with that. You believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. Uh, yeah, but, but praise God in every situation. It ought to just be part of our life. Uh, the, their father's beliefs were not hidden from them. And I would just have to interject. One reason I think Christian parents don't talk about God at home is because uh, God may not be very welcome at home. God, God may not be very present in, in, in the living room with, with the things that are on television that are on television. Uh, God, God may not feel very welcome with some of the activities that go on in the home. A Christian home was more than just Christians living there. Uh, it, it is a place where, where, where the, the God of our family, the God of our fathers is welcome. He is talked about. He is celebrated. Uh, we don't just talk about God on Sunday. Now, it's okay to talk about God on Sunday. We've got to talk about Him on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday. The only time you ever talk about God in your home is on, when you're on the way to church and, and, and on the way home from church, and, and that's the only thing you have to, to talk about God. You're not, you're not spending very much time with Him. You're not very aware of Him. And this says to me, when I mention my father's God, that their father's beliefs were not hidden. Uh, I'm thankful that others did not hide their beliefs from me. I'm thankful uh, that I grew up in a Christian home. I'm thankful that there are others in previous generations that were not afraid to stand on what they believed and talk about God and how God had blessed them. Uh, don't hide your beliefs. Don't hide them. Uh, we live in a day in society, especially with social justice and politically correct, that everybody who hates God can formulate and spouse their beliefs. But if you want to talk about God, uh, people want to, want to shout you down. They want to, they want to put you down. Uh, they want to talk about how uh, you don't have a right to say that. Don't let the devil determine how much we talk about God. Uh, I've just got enough stubborn in me. You tell me I can't talk about it. I'm just going to talk about it more. Uh, I wasn't going to be obnoxious until you told me I couldn't. Uh, but but don't, don't, don't hide uh, your, your, your God. Don't hide who he, who, who he is to you. He's my God. But the fact that they declare He's my Father's God as well lets me know that it was not new to them. And their, their, their Father's beliefs, that generation ahead, their belief was not hidden. Why? Because they had to sit them down and teach them about God. Teach them about the promise. I know we're slaves now, but let me tell you the promise our God made to Abraham. And let me tell you how God preserved us in this situation, in this situation. And they were taught that. And, and we need to be reminded that we have what we have because somebody was willing to talk to us and talk to us about God. It, we cannot be hesitant to talk about our beliefs. We cannot be hesitant uh, to uh, uh, mention what we believe about God. Number three, God is not hereditary. Just because mom and dad are Christians doesn't mean children are all going to be Christians just because they were born to a Christian home. 
Parents, we, we, have, we have a lot of couples with young kids at home. Don't just assume because you're saved that it's going to rub off on them. They need to be taught what it means to be. That's why you better have them in a Bible preaching, a Bible teaching church as well. But don't just assume. I think I, it, it's, it's, a, it's just shocking to me. And I think we're going to be shocked and it, it, we've realized that uh, how, how many people that grew up in church, we just assumed they're saved. They never had salvation. Uh, we can't assume that. God is not hereditary. You have somebody to say, well, I went to church. No, that's not what I asked. Right. Do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? Well, are, are you saved? Well, my grandmother, I'm glad your grandmother got religion. I'm glad she was saved. But what about you? Uh, don't just assume because you were taught what is right, that those coming behind you are automatically going to get it. And I believe that we fail in those areas sometimes. We assume that they're just going to get it. It is not hereditary. Uh, you have to uh, be conscious to uh, make sure that that gets passed down. But let me also say, and this is where I really want to drive this point home to our church, and many in our church are second and third and fourth generation Christians. And some of you are second and third generation church members. You have the power to sever the connection between yourself and the God of your fathers. Think about that. Well, the God of my fathers... Well, uh, they should, the God of your father should also be your God. And the fact that there's an acknowledgement of the God of our fathers means they had the power and the ability to sever that connection. What a shame. What a shame for a child who sits in the building now, a, a teenager, a young adult, to have been taught right. A young adult to have been taught the truths of Scripture. What a shame. For them to sever. Uh, sometimes I believe it's just because they assume that they don't have to take any action at all and that things are just going to stay the same. No, uh, there comes a point when uh, I remember the time of my life that, that, that the God of my father had to become my God. And that's, that happens in, in, in every Christian's life. The God of that previous generation, the God of my pastor has got to become my God. Uh, the God of the one who led me to Christ has got to become my God. And we have the power. Uh, you can be 20 years of age and you have the power to, to erase everything uh, that, that is good has been done in your life by you not taking that, that step and saying, uh, that the God of my fathers, the God of my pastor, the God of that previous generation, the God of the generations that we even read about in Scripture because uh, they were faithful to pass down, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to take some action that is going to remove me out of fellowship with my God. What a responsibility we have to make sure that it's passed down. It's not hereditary. Uh, I, believe, I believe we have a great church. God's blessed us in great ways. I believe we have a great spirit in our church. You cannot walk on the property and walk into the building without feeling the spirit. We have a different spirit. Uh, but just because you come in and feel the spirit don't mean you're getting it. Uh, there's a reason why it's the way it is. And we have to be faithful to pass down to that next generation. Everybody with me? But we have to be faithful that if we've received the benefits of that next generation, to take the actions that we need to take. Don't assume all your children are saved. Pray for them. Don't assume all your grandchildren are saved. Pray for them. Do what you can to be a witness to them. 
uh, we, God is not hereditary, hereditary, we need to remember that, and uh, we can at any time, it's, it's sad to see a young person, and that gets preached on a lot, and it should, to, to in essence, in some ways, waste what that previous generation has done. But you know, you, you, you can be 50 and 60 years old, and you can do the same thing, and you can sever that relationship with God. And because God is not hereditary, if you cut it off, those behind you are having it cut off as well. What kind of message do you think children are getting when mom and dad say, we don't need God anymore? I would caution you that when you get angry and you get upset, never to point your finger at God. There's little ears listening. There's a spouse paying attention. And the seed of doubt that you sow in them, the day's going to come when they need God in their life. The day's going to come when they're going to stand before God, and if their soul has not been prepared to meet Him, they'll spend an eternity in hell. Well, I was faithful in church, and I did all these things for God. God's not hereditary. And tonight, you better know you're saved. Not because mama was, not because daddy was. You better know that you're saved because you did business, personal business with God. God is not hereditary. We have to make the action. Then number four, we are debtors to our fathers. When I say we're debtors to our fathers, it may be the fact that you grew up in a Christian home and you, you are in debt to Christian parents. And let me just reemphasize that. If you did have the privilege of growing up with a saved mom, a saved dad, whether they were saved when you were born or whether they saved were saved as you were growing up, but they got you underneath the gospel and you, and you had the opportunity to live in a Christian home, you are a debtor. Well, I'm a man now. I'll make my own decision. You're a fool because you owe a debt. That's why I get upset at some of the things taking place in our country because I know American history. I, I'm well read in American history. I know the sacrifices that were made. I know the young men who never saw their 20th birthday because they shed their blood and paid the ultimate sacrifice. And then to watch those who were, have a great debt not pay that debt as an American, that angers me. As an American, I don't want to sit down and have coffee with you because you're a debtor and you're not willing to pay your debt. I think we would all agree with that. But you know, we owe our spiritual fathers a great debt as well. Well, I, I, We studied Hebrews chapter 11 last year through our Sunday school lessons. It's a very sobering thought. You look at all that God has used, but what oftentimes gets overlooked because we're talking about Moses, we're talking about faith, we're talking about uh, uh, all of those that are listed there, is at the end of the chapter, those who are unnamed, who lost their life because they stood for their God. We owe them a great debt. And at the sake of not being politically correct, that's why when the, the Catholics come around want me to join them in, in opposing abortion, I'm not joining them. Well, why is that? You're being unfriendly. No, too many of my Baptist forefathers shed their blood at the hands of the Catholic Church. And I didn't have plans to say this, but... All the, we talk about all these rep, rep, reparations for slavery and everything and, and all these things. I want reparations for my Baptist forefathers being murdered by the Catholic Church. I don't think that's going to go quite as far. But the point I'm making is we're debtors. And can I be as bold as to say you owe your pastor? You're in debt to your pastor? 
uh, you, wh wh whether you, you grew up underneath uh, neath my father or you're growing up underneath my you're in debt, you're in debt to your pastor. Amen. You're a debtor. You're a debtor to your Sunday school teacher. Uh, you're a debtor to those who have prayed for you, invested in you. You're, you, you're, you're, you're a debtor to those who say, well, all they do is just show up. They've been showing up for a long time, and there's more to them than you realize. Amen. You're a debtor to them. You're a debtor to that previous generation. You're a debtor to those that put their, their tithes and their offerings, and they've sacrificed to have what we have. We, we owe a debt. That's a big problem in our generation today, in our country today, is we don't want to pay the debts that we owe. We have a right to everything. Friend, I want to remind you tonight, as the children of Israel said, he is my God. But then they also had to stop and acknowledge he's my father's God. I Meaning he's been here from the beginning. And what a wonderful thing to be able to say, uh, I've been faithful to uh, the, the God of my fathers. I've been faithful to uh, my, my fathers. I've, I've paying my debt. If you're here now, you say, well, I didn't grow up into a Christian. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. You have a spiritual father. You have somebody who shared the gospel with you. You have somebody who invested in you. You have somebody who even now is investing in your life and, and trying to guide you and trying to, uh, to be there to point you in the right direction. You have spiritual fathers. And you owe a great, great debt to them. I'm Sorry, I just don't understand that those that just will not pay their debt. They don't want to pay their debt. We owe a great debt to those that have gone on before us. I, I, love, I love the fact that that uh, we have several retired pastors as part of our, as part of our church. My dad, of course, uh, Dr. Bob Gray Sr., who's never here. Uh, that's why I agreed to that. Um, uh, and one of the things that excited me about the merger was, was Brother Fowler being retired and us being able to have a part and help care for him. Uh, Brother Hudson, a retired missionary. Oh, God honors that. You say, why do you do that? As a matter of fact, I'm trying to recruit more retired preachers to come down here. Because, well... I'm trying to recruit some to leave, too, but uh, uh, you say, well, why is that? Because I owe my debt as a preacher. I owe a debt. I want to pay my debt. Uh, the older generation, we, we talked about for years, and you remember my father, we have a young church, we have a young church. I look around, and that's one difference between our pastor. I can't look around and say, we've got a young church, we've got a young church, because those that were young with him... I don't know if you've noticed his age lately, but uh, you're the same age as he is. Well, I have nothing else. I take it a great responsibility, and I take a great honor to care for so many faithful members in their elder years. So they have a faithful pastor. They have somebody who will love them, who will care for them. They have a church that, they can, uh, that acknowledges. Uh, that's paying a debt to our spiritual fathers. Uh, that's why these, if, if we don't have it, but if these 20-somethings want to come in and change the church, I'm not doing it. That's part of the playbook. How sad. To make your changes and you'll eventually force. This is what they're taught today. And if you see a church go from a conservative church like ours to one of these, these cookie-cutter contemporary churches, this is what they're doing and this is what they've been taught. You change it and eventually you'll force the older people out. The people who paid the bills, the people who built the buildings. Uh, if you're going to do that, at least be honest and go carve it out yourself. And not do it on the back. Uh, that's, that's one reason. You'll, you, you'll, you'll, it, we're not changing. It's because um, we've been entrusted with what our spiritual forefathers have handed down to us. It's an important thing. We are debtors to our fathers. My challenge tonight is this, to be reminded that he's our God. 
He's my God. And anytime you have difficulty, anytime you face circumstances, you remind yourself, He's my God. And you can read the scripture and you can talk and see the miracles. Even the one we refer to this morning and very briefly tonight, the parting of that Red Sea and how God delivered his people. That's my God. Now, he's got the same power now as he had then. It, it, what, a, what a miracle. Hey, you, know, I, you know, you look at the little maps and the Red Sea looks so skinny compared to... Uh, go, go look at the size of the Red Sea. And God just pushed it back. And can I say he wasn't even showing off? He wasn't breaking into a sweat. Easy. My, that's my God. That's my God. So whatever you face this week, you, you, you just remind yourself, my God spoke all this into existence. My God knows what's going on. My God has got it. Pastor, how can you be so confident God's going to work that out? Because he's my God. I know that he's, he's capable of doing beyond what I even understand he's capable of doing. He's incapable. But there's a second part of that that I want us to be reminded of. He's not only my God, he's my father's God. And it may be your earthly father, but I think the principle there is that generational. There's somebody who made sure I knew about my God. There's somebody who made sure I, I knew his greatness. I knew his perfection. I knew his holiness. I think all of us, it's different now than it is for the children of Israel, but we can thank God for faithful Sunday school teachers. We can thank God for faithful people who, uh, just when we needed that bit of encouragement, just to make sure that we were uh, on the right path, those that would faithfully preach us and teach, preach to us and teach us the word of God. Uh, we, we, we owe them. Let's pay our debt. And those of you that... that, that older generation that I mentioned, God's not done with you yet. You still have responsibility. Uh, don't, don't, don't hang it up yet. Don't, don't give it up yet. You may have retired from your career, but you haven't retired from God yet. Uh, I, you say, what you? there's a lot of you. you in, in the last years, like, I've retired. You've given me the countdown of days and retire, retire, and this. Just because you're retired. I say, what do you think about that? I, I get excited about it. I mean, you, more, you got more time to work down the church. I mean, I, I, get, I get excited about it. I, get, I just add that to my list to say, okay, I know I can call on them. Uh, no, you have a responsibility. Keep that responsibility. Keep the example. Because maybe somebody you don't even realize falling in your footsteps. And sadly, I know it's a great heartbreak for, for, for many. You have a child that chooses to go a different way. You pray for them to come back. You be faithful, but invest in somebody else. There's somebody who doesn't have a faithful mom and dad who want to, who want to be taught, who want, who, want to, who want to follow that way. Invest in them. God told Samuel, quit, quit crying over Saul and go, go anoint David. Saul was a great heartbreak to Samuel. But there was a David that still needed Samuel. We have a responsibility. All of us can look to a generation ahead of us and say, I would debt. I would debt to those that were faithful, brought the gospel to the United States, all those, those early settlers, those who kept faithful, faced, the persecu faced persecution, those who taught us. Let's pay our debt. Say, well, I'm, I'm weary, Pastor. We get weary sometimes. That's why we're told, don't be weary in well-doing. 
I'm discouraged. Don't be discouraged. You say, uh, what, what is my motivation? You owe a debt. You owe a debt. Pay your debt. There's honor in paying your debt. Well, nobody's going to know. You know. You know. Pay your debt. I've determined to pay my debt. I may not do it perfectly. I may not do it as well as I should. But I want to pay my debt to, the, to my spiritual fathers. Those who made sure I have what I have tonight. Can't we all determine to do that? There's a twofold challenge there. And I'll summarize it once more before we, we go to the invitation tonight. Stay faithful because there's others coming behind you who need to know. See, I'm different from a lot of guys my age. Uh, that, I could just stop that sentence right there. Uh, I'm different than a lot of these younger generations. They want to look at the older generation of preachers and tell them everything they did wrong and how they're going to do it different. That's not me. I spend more time with the older preachers than I do younger preachers my own age. Well, I want to glean from them. I want to learn from them. But I want to, I want to give honor to them. I want to give honor to those uh, because I'm a debtor. So let's be faithful because there's some that come behind us. You don't know who's coming behind you that God's going to use in a great, great way. You look at some of these kids running around here and say, God help if that's the future of our, of our country. God help us if that's the future of our church. But Some of you might have said that about me about 40 years ago. Uh, well, you don't know who's coming behind you. And then every one of us owe a debt to somebody. You say, well, the person who won me to Christ is already in heaven. Well, then, then you, you, you live your days the way they should be lived. You be faithful to your God, not just for God's sake, but for that person who paid a price, that person who sacrificed, that person who was faithful to uh, be a witness and to preach, and, and preach the word of God to you. You be faithful. Pay your debt. We've got a lot of bad who are just ingrates today. They just, they're just not thankful for what people pay your debt. He's my God, but he's my Father's God. There's two distinct thoughts there, two distinct principles. Let's rejoice in the fact that he's a personal God. He's my God. I don't have to say, well, my, 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 my Father's God did that. I can say, my God did that. Isn't that wonderful? I don't have to say, you know, uh, Abraham's God did that. I can say, my God did that. I can look at the previous generation of preachers. I don't have to say Jack Howell's God did that. I can say my God did that. My God did it. You don't have to say my pastor's God did that. You can say my God did it. You don't have to say, oh, in the morning I'm going to pray to my pastor's God. No, 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 no. You pray. You, it's your God that you're talking to. It's your God that's speaking to you. But at the same time, we have that same acknowledgement of my father's God because there's somebody that made sure we knew about God. So that we could say, he's my God. Now let's remember these important principles. Father.